0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with one of our awesome local teachers, Nick Benson. In today's show, we dismantle myths regarding the current industrial action being taken by teachers, why fair funding for public schools matter, and how you can support your local public school. You're listening to Coogee Voice.
1: The big issue here is, really, the system needs to be defended, public education itself needs to be defended, and it's not just uh, teachers looking for more pay, but this is a problem which has been growing for years and is becoming far worse, and that is the shortage of teachers. And when that occurs, then kids could often be left in the playground, supervised by one staff member, and it's simply not possible to teach them. That is a story that's happening across the state routinely. Uh, It is inexplicable then that federal government funding in such large uh, sums goes towards private schools, many of whom are enormously over-resourced and doesn't provide funding up to the level that our public schools need. Not a single school is funded to the standard that it requires and that is uh, appalling.
0: Nick, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today?
1: Thank you very well, Marjorie.
0: It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, you work in one of our great local public schools. What do you love most about the eastern suburbs?
1: I've been working in the eastern suburbs for nearly 20 years now. It's a great place to live. There's a tremendous amount of diversity in the community. There's good, strong support from the parents uh, of the community as well that follows on, I think, to running really successful schools. There's a good network of teachers that cooperate between schools on matters to do with education policy, uh, with the Teachers Federation. And as I've been there for 20 years, it's certainly the the place I expect to see myself retiring.
0: 20 years is a pretty long time. How has the eastern suburbs changed in that time?
1: Well, before I moved to teach in the eastern suburbs, there were a great deal more public schools. And Various schools have closed down now, and it's uh, become an issue for parents in the uh, eastern suburbs looking for co-ed opportunities for their students in particular, uh, where the opportunities simply don't exist. We've lost uh, schools in Maroubra. We've lost school in uh, North uh, Randwick as well. And it seems to me the area is not well catered for public schooling and certainly in, in high school. And over 20 years, there's been demographic changes in the community. There's been uh, increase in uh, ethnic diversity in the community, which is a wonderful thing. But the facilities uh, are lacking in the eastern suburbs now for parents and teachers. That really does need to be rectified.
0: Public co-education high school. This is incredibly topical. What are your thoughts on this?
1: My personal thoughts are that I'd very much like to see another school built in the eastern suburbs to provide, to relieve some of the burden on Rose Bay anyway, which is really short of space. My personal philosophy is too, that it would be much more appropriate, I think, to have boys and girls learning together. There are differences of opinion about the benefit of this for girls in particular, who it appears are sometimes held back by being educated with boys, but there isn't any reason why a co-ed school can't still within it run classes that separate boys and girls, at least for some subjects. Uh, I think it's time, personally, for a, a new high school in the eastern suburbs since we've shut down two at least in the past 30 years.
0: Here, here, Nick. Now, you've been a teacher in the eastern suburbs for 20 years. Why did you enter teaching?
1: The reason why I entered teaching, I think, is different from the reason why I'm so happy doing it. I've entered teaching because I have a love for the subject I teach. I'm a history teacher and an English teacher, and I've always enjoyed the subjects, but having done it for such a long time now, I can see the great reward you get from teaching young people and spending your working life around young people. It's uh, an inspirational job to have, a very rewarding and enriching job too, and uh, spending time with the kids has kept me younger than my apparent age would be <laughs> if you add the 20 years to how old I sound.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nick? We have you on the show today because there's been a huge amount of conversation, both within the education community and the broader community, really around teachers taking industrial action. Here today, I want to unpack it so that our audience can really understand why teachers are taking industrial action. Many teachers who've never taken industrial action are taking it. Why are they taking it?
1: Well, I'm really uh, glad to have the opportunity to explain it from a teacher's perspective, but uh, I also think that many listeners would be already quite familiar with it and uh, also quite sympathetic with the action that teachers have taken. And I know this because the people I speak to in the eastern suburbs and elsewhere uh, on finding out I'm a teacher are aware of the issue and have been very supportive of it too. The parent community at my school is uh, 100% behind it, as far as I can tell. The PNC has been wonderful in its endorsement of our action. So the issue is quite familiar to the community already, but I can imagine there be some people who might be put off by a union taking action in defense of public education. Because the big issue here is really the system needs to be defended. Public education itself needs to be defended. And it's not just our teachers looking for more pay, but this is a problem which has been growing for years and is becoming far worse. And that is the shortage of teachers. Now, the Teachers' Federation commissioned a report about two years ago called the Gallup Inquiry. The Gallup Inquiry found that teachers' pay has been slipping uh, relative to like professions for many, many years. And as a result of this, there are going to be looming uh, teacher shortages, and we're feeling the effects of this already. Without adequate pay for teachers, then you won't attract uh, university graduates to join the profession. And they're very sorely needed, uh, not just in New South Wales, but it's a problem even in the eastern suburbs where you would expect teacher shortages not to be an issue. But the actions then of the teachers have been around the issue of raising teachers' salary to a level that reflects the complexity of the work and a level that will attract graduates and also uh, simplifying and reducing stress for teachers as well. The job has become enormously complicated in recent decades, uh, far more complex than it was when I began teaching. The administrative burden is ever-growing, and many teachers are being burnt out. So the Teachers' Federation also is looking for a a reduction in the amount of uh, administration and some extra time to deal with the growing complexity of the job. And it's these two issues, it's pay and its uh, working conditions that are quite clear from the Gallup inquiry anyway, the obstacles to attracting new teachers and retaining them when they've joined the profession. If you speak to any any teachers you might know, they're bound to be able to tell you of uh, young teachers who have joined the profession full of optimism and uh, have spent four years to qualify being burnt out very quickly, being burnt out and leaving the profession within the first few years. And the statistics are really quite alarming. And if we think of the time and energy and expense they've gone to get qualified and then find that the job is uh, overwhelming, then it does tell you there are a great deal of problems ahead of us.
0: What impact do teacher shortages have on students and their teaching and learning outcomes?
1: Well, there's uh, enormous problems. For decades and decades, uh, students in hard-to-staff areas, so we're talking perhaps uh, rural areas of New South Wales, have been taught by teachers that don't have qualifications in particular subjects. Now, that would be, for example, trying to find uh, science teachers in remote communities is practically impossible. So if we think of public education's aspiration to provide equal education for all, the access to subject specialists in many areas has become incredibly difficult. Now, it might uh, astonish people in the eastern suburbs that these sorts of issues are beginning to affect schools in metropolitan Sydney too. Some of the teachers that I've spoken to from other schools, for instance, have been unable to find social science teachers, been a- unable to find PE teachers. And these are these are areas where there's in the past never been a shortage of, of qualified teachers. So even in the eastern suburbs, even in well, the most beautiful city in the world and the best part of it, it's not possible to get teachers in these subjects. Now, when that happens, of course, then the children are missing out. Now, there are other additional problems too that have been particularly noticeable and increasingly noticeable over the shortage of casual teachers as well. Now, it isn't happening quite so much in the eastern suburbs, but certainly in many parts of Sydney and the state, it's impossible for schools to find sufficient casual teachers to relieve those teachers who have become ill. Now, when that occurs, then kids could often be left in the playground, supervised by one staff member, and it's simply not possible to teach them. That is a story that's happening across the state routinely. And I can tell you that from uh, what I know, there have been instances of that occurring in the eastern suburbs too, because there aren't enough casuals for us either.
0: Nick, there's a bit of an assumption that a typical teacher's day is from nine to three, five days a week. You get great school holidays four times a year. What's the reality? How many hours a week are teachers working?
1: Well, there's been reports commissioned again by the Federation and it finds that some teachers are working uh, 50 to 60 hours a week. Many are working more than that. Now, the school day is, as you've said, uh, between nine and 330 It's a school day that for teachers does not stop. Those hours, you're on your feet constantly. Uh, There's never a moment rest, really. Uh, It's a full day and the kids need all sorts of adjustments made by teachers and it is quite a burdensome thing. But of course, it doesn't stop at at the school gate either. Teachers are assessing, teachers are planning, teachers are conducting research, teachers are providing uh, wellbeing support for students. And these are things that create an extremely complicated day and a very exhausting day, and one that doesn't stop, and it brings hours far beyond the normal working hours for for many teachers too. And that, like I said earlier, is probably, in my opinion at least, the biggest issue facing beginning teachers is managing this enormous complexity and draining workload. Then when, of course, it does come to the holidays we get, which are quite good, I think you'll find many teachers crash. Uh, for the first week of it or so in an effort to recover uh, and regather their strength.
0: Nick, New South Wales is the only state that doesn't fully fund public schools up to the Gonski recommendation. Um, what is the impact that that has on public school funding in New South Wales?
1: The uh, funding model uh, for schools is perhaps familiar to people listening uh, if they you know the Gonski funding model, Uh, this is now more than a decade old. This is not news. And yet the gap in equitable funding for public schools is appalling. Uh, Not a single school in New South Wales is funded to the level determined by the uh, Gonski report. Not a single school, public school that is. And yet we have uh, innumerable private schools funded well in excess of what their resourcing standard actually requires of them. Now, this is a a gap which is uh, inexplicable when you consider that it's the public schools overwhelmingly that are providing education and opportunities for the most disadvantaged students, sometimes the most difficult to teach students, the ones with the most profound learning needs, and uh, the ones with perhaps far less support from home. Now, it is inexplicable then that federal government funding in such large Uh, sums goes towards private schools, many of whom are enormously over-resourced and doesn't provide funding up to the level that our public schools need. Not a single school is funded to the standard that it requires, and that is uh, appalling.
0: Nick? You've sort of started to segue into my next question. Traditionally, public schools have been funded by the state. The federal government has then funded private schools. Part of the commitment from the Albanese government was that actually they would have equitable funding uh, for public schools and for private schools, which is a new development in a funding model. How do you think that's going to impact public school infrastructure funding, public school funding?
1: Well, it's uh, encouraging to hear that. Matt Thistlethwaite announced it a few weeks before the election that that was where Labor, Federal Labor was heading. Uh, it's urgently needed. The funding backlog for schools and the dilapidated state of infrastructure of many schools it urgently needs a great deal of money. This this will be a very, very welcome change in policy to deliver significant sums of money to schools that really need them rather than overfunding those that clearly don't. So this is a, a very important development, I think.
0: Talking about infrastructure funding in local schools, Roundwick Girls, Ramwick Boys in 2018 were promised funding for major upgrades for the schools. Three years on, no soil has been turned, no dollars have been committed. What are your thoughts on this?
1: My opinion is that the uh, state government has been rather unclear about what their objective is they're trying to achieve. There'd been a plan, listeners might remember, um, a survey that was carried out about whether these two schools should amalgamate. A survey that uh, from my understanding is the government then ignored, but it has left them in a position where they're dithering between modest licks of paint and maybe a couple of new bits of carpet, or some larger plan and they can't decide and they won't tell us either what it is they're planning to do. PNCs and principals and the Teachers Federation have asked what the plan is for the eastern suburbs and we've been asking for several years now and we've had no response. There is no plan. Uh, Meanwhile, the facilities languish and uh, the community wants answers, I'm sure of that, because again, the lack of co-ed opportunities in the eastern suburbs are really uh, quite a a significant issue for many families. So it seems to me there is no plan, well, there is no plan from the government or not one they'll tell us. And in the meantime, the occasional announcements of significant upgrades have not materialised and even modest upgrades are yet to take place too. So at present, it seems that this is the government that doesn't know its own mind, perhaps is uncertain about what it is the community wants despite having asked them and received an answer. Uh, I think this is... uh, Uh, a situation where there's a lack of uh, decisive thinking about making a a, a good change for uh, eastern suburb schools.
0: Nick, so to sum up, if there were three things you think would transform public education in New South Wales, what would they be?
1: Well, without question, fair funding is essential. Uh, We need to make our already very good public uh, school system world standard. It needs to be resourced. To do that, Uh, education is a transformative institution in children's lives. If we're going to be able to produce happy and uh, successful children, we need to be able to resource the schools to make that happen. So, school funding is really number one. We need to look after our teachers, and this means increasing teacher pay, it means reducing the burden placed on teachers as well. That's why the More Than Thanks campaign that the New South Wales Teachers Federation has been running was created to preserve the future of the profession. Now, the third one is uh, building the capacity of the remote schools to be able to provide equal education too. Now, remote schools have all sorts of challenges, extremely complicated. We need to be able to attract teachers to work in these communities where the schools are part of the heart of the community. These teachers need to be supported.
0: Hear, hear. Nick. Thanks so much for joining us on Coogee Voice. If people would like to learn more about the More Than Thanks campaign, where should they head to?
1: They should put More Than Thanks into the search bar and they'll find the Teachers Federation has enormous resources. It'd be great for people to read it. If you're a member of a school community, go along to your PNC where they'll already know about it and you can talk more about it to them too. But first step is to look it up on the internet and you'll find the Gallup report and you'll be able to read it all for yourself.
0: Nick, thanks for joining us on Coogee Voice.
1: What a pleasure. Thank you.
0: What an informative discussion. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the More Than Thanks campaign and to support our public school teachers, head to morethanthanks.com.au. You've been listening to Coogee Voice.